Welcome back to Ultiverse Q, your guide to the ultimate universe. Now in podcast form. I'm Luke. And I'm Devin. And it's our... Countdown to something. It's our 50th episode. Oh, nice. Uh-huh. Also, uh, I was looking at the reading order we had, and... Uh, all of the Ultimate Cataclysm and Hunger stuff was on there twice. So instead of having 54 weeks, we had 53 weeks. Oh. Yeah. Because uh, one of the lists that I had taken it from started with uh, Ultimate uh, Cataclysm and the other started with uh, Hunger. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a fun time in a few weeks. Well, no, we're going to cover that in a few weeks, so. Yeah, that means we only have three more episodes of the Ultimate Universe after this, but today no, we're going to be Now in podcast form. What was that? I said now in podcast form. Mm-hmm. Uh, today we are covering Ultimate Iron Man, some Ultimates. And then some Miles Morales Spider-Man, star of the hit new video game. Pikmin 3 Deluxe. Uh, but yeah, we've got a mix of stories here. I'm going to be interested to see how you feel about some of them, but it's literally just the final arcs of two of the series and then a really just do-nothing-dumb-shit uh, Ultimate Iron Man comic again. Yeah. Yeah, I've been shit-talking this comic with the Devin all week, and even before, because I started rereading in case I was like, oh, do I want to do something special for Ultimate Cataclysm? No. 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 Yeah, so uh, Ultimate Comics Iron Man, numbers 1 through 4, was written by Nathan Edmondson with art by Matteo Buffarani with colors by Andy Troy and letters by VC's Joe Caramagna. And this book came out around the same time as Iron Man 3, the movie. Which means it's time for a tie-in. Yeah, uh, where Iron Man 3 was great in the way that it handled Mandarin by, like, openly addressing how racist it is and using that as a cyber for the real villain, which is evil rich people who want to militarize and control everything. Hell yeah. Uh, instead, this is all about how Tony used to have a girlfriend who we've never talked about before named Josie, who he had started a company with, but then Tony's dad was like, nope, you're not going to do that. I need you to wear suits and come and work in my business. She ends up dying, and Tony doesn't find out why. <sighs> and, like, the way that it was set up, I was like, oh, okay, so she's going to come back. Because she needs to have a reason just other than being literally fridged. And no, it is a literal sexy lamp situation. Because uh, we find out that now a mysterious force named the Mandarin is trying to destroy Stark's company. And it turns out that Tony's dad years ago borrowed a bunch of money through shell corporations from... The Mandarin, which here is not a person, it's just a conspiracy of Chinese business people. 
which as is, they do as you do which is not great especially when it's like tony you need to stop being so humane you need to act more like a robot and stop having all these emotions like the chinese people do and it's like mm, that's that's not great i'm here to go promote capitalism and destroy your communism agenda yeah, uh, there's just multiple times on the series where it's, oh, Tony's going to try and find a clue. Drones almost kill him. He escapes. They almost take over his suit, but he escapes, and we don't actually see how he does it. And it happens like three fucking times. It's, it's frustrating. He just goes zoom, then, zoom, zoom, Luke, and then yeah. Oof. And eventually he gets to an island where it turns out the two people currently in charge of the Mandarin are twin sisters, and apparently Tony's dad had sex with one of them? Classic Papa Howard. Yeah. Anyways, Tony's like, well, you turned off my suit, but I gave weapons to other friends that you don't have control over. They needed his blood or DNA to break into a vault. It's all just very bad and unclear and it is wild that this was not able to be a decent ultimate iron man series also they don't mention tony's fucking brother at all in this or like anything else like we don't hear tony's talking tumor it's it's literally just like oh well let's do a generic Iron Man entry story, and the only real ties to the Ultimate Universe are Black Nick Fury and Carol Danvers is in charge of the government. Even then, only kind of. Yeah, it's... Oh, and, uh, second Jarvis. Oh, yeah. Because he shows up to do not much. Yeah, uh, Nathan Edmondson did a bad job here, uh... I was also trying to remember the last time that he did a Marvel comic, and I think after people criticized the Ultimate Punisher, or the uh, Punisher series that he wrote for being kind of just, he sure kills a lot of brown-skinned people. It's like, oh yeah, he vanished really fast, and apparently just works in movies now. Nice. Oh, and then at the end... He did his Black Tony... Widow series that had that kick-ass Phil Doto artwork for the entire thing. Fair. Uh, I have not actually read that, even though you loaned me the book. The stories themselves were fine, but it was all about that art. Yeah. Anderson Cooper was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah, and at the end of it, it's, well, Tony killed the Mandarin, so I guess another Chinese person is going to be in charge of the Mandarin now. And it's supposed to set up something, but it never sets up anything because it's a literally fucking go nothing story where should we put this waste of time mm, pretty far down on the bottom there luke yeah yeah remember how things like this continue to get published yet other great miniseries get canceled before their time yeah i mean at least this there's some level of i understand why this existed yeah. But it's like a failed Iron Man pitch, ultimately. They canceled a bunch of stuff this week, there today. Then I got sad. Oh, on Marvel? Yeah. 
what what stuff did they cancel? Uh, they canceled the Daily Bugle miniseries. Ah. Oh. Which was good. And the Gwen Stacy miniseries was also canceled. Ah. Oh. And some other things I don't care about, but other people yeah. probably do. But it's just like, but they're miniseries. Just finish them. I mean, they they're... also canceled a bunch of times to uh, Empire. Yeah. At least, I mean, that at least I get to a point because you're trying to at least keep it going. Mm -hmm. Like, these are miniseries that, I mean, the Gwen Stacy one especially, I mean, that completely takes place outside of any sort of, like, space and time of the normal series. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I am not seeing any particular news, but I'm also not doing a deep search. Yeah, uh, Suicide Squad also ended today. It was sort of a planned ending, but I hope to see more coming out of that, because the recent Suicide Squad series was really good. It probably will when that new movie comes out. Mm -hmm. Also, X of Swords ended today, and that was fucking wild. Neat. The story of generations of white guys. Uh, alright. So... I... I'm doing a search for Iron Man on the list, and... Uh, they're pretty all far at the damn bottom, Luke. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what the Alice Iron Man one was called. Wasn't just Volume 2? No, uh... Is it... Oh, Armor Wars. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ultimate Armor Wars is all the way up at 73 on our list of 177. This is significantly lower than that. Agreed. Like, while Warren Ellis has now been exposed as a awful person, uh, that at least had a coherent story. Yes, I would agree And with followed continuity. Uh, okay, how do you feel about it compared to one of our big dividing lines, Ultimate Marvel Team-Up, Spider-Man and Iron Man? Worse. Yeah. Teeth, teeth, teeth. Uh, okay. How do you feel about it compared to 167 Ultimate Iron Man 2, the second part? Uh, better? I... Yeah, it's it's a rough point. I, I also think it's better than Ultimate Comics X, which was the point above that. Yeah. Uh, we also have above that Ultimate Comics Ultimate's Reconstruction Part 2, which is where that whole series went fully off the rails. Uh, I, I'd give it to Reconstruction Part 2. Okay. So our new number 166 is Ultimate Comics Iron Man numbers 1 through 4. It's not good. Like, I, I wanted to be like, oh, it, it gets better towards the end, but no. It, it's literally just a, we will never remember this. Up next, we have and Ultimate And soon, Com no one will remember any of the Ultimate Universe. Because of the reboot? Yeah. So I guess it's back or something. 
Yeah, I, I've heard that. I don't know anything about it, but also we should just send the entire podcast into Marvel and be like, hey, we cataloged all of this and found these continuity errors. You should let me and Devin become the editors and, like, line leaders because we'll just tell you, no, that's a bad idea. Or remember how there's all those vampires? Or remember Tony Stark's brother? Well, apparently you don't either. Yep. Remember Tony's talking tumor? Yeah. But speaking of Tony's talking tumor, up next we have Ultimate Comics Ultimates, numbers 25 through 30, written by Josh Fialkov, with pencils by Carmine Di Giaman... Gian Domenico, with inks by Lorenzo Ruggiero, colors by Jim Charolampatis, and Will Quintana, with letters by VCs Clayton Cowell. And once again, this is... Titled and disassembled. So, mysterious person releases the Hulk from jail inside of S.H.I.E.L.D., gives him the Infinity Gauntlets, he blows up the uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. base, he's like, hey, look at these gauntlets that I have with all these gems that you've been collecting. And Reed Richards shows up and he's like, hey, give me one of those. Now we only need two more of these. In the, uh, ult er, and the Ultimates who are at this time... Sue Storm, Thor, former President America, Iron Man, Hawkeye, and Monica Chang, even though Monica Chang is technically the director of S.H.I.E.L.D., are like, oh, that's not good. And President America sees that they are going down, especially when Pietro shows up. Uh, we last saw him in the Wolverine miniseries where he was saved by the same mysterious figure who looks like King of the Conqueror, except the lady who also saved Reed Richards and the Hulk. And uh, President America's like, hey, I will stop and distract this. Thor teleports everybody out, and we see that, yes, this is just Lady King, the Conqueror, who was in charge of everything. Mm-hmm. And so using the gloves, Reed and Bruce are like, hey, we're enforcing world peace with this robot army. Uh, the patents and copyright system is all destroyed. The global banking system is destroyed. We have released a modified sentient seed across the globe. We have new zero emission technology. That's what we've done in 24 hours. Suck my nuts, Tony Stark. This is how you save the world. And Tony is also currently unable to fly in the Iron Man suit because of a virus that Reed put in there. Monica Chang has no more shield. And so Sue and Hawkeye leave to try and rescue people, and Thor flies off because he wants to get into a fight. So Sue and Bingram, the thing who can now shift between his purple energy form, his human form, and classic rock form, go in uh, to try and cut off Reed's display. That way Hawkeye can try and save President America. He gets captured. Thor gets into a bar fight with the Hulk. And Tony is realizing that, oh, they need to go and get the last power gem. But it turns out that uh, there's one more gem, and it was inside Tony's brain, and it's the tumor. Because... Of course. Do you want to say the line? It's tumor time, Luke. I don't remember the line. It's not a tumor. Oh, yes. I, I, I thought you would remember Kindergarten Cop. I would. I don't know that's where we're going with with that beat. Pietro's like, Tony, this is an infinity gem in your head. It's... 
Not a Tuma. Yep. I made a reference to that last night, and it went unappreciated. Also, I hope that all of you and yours have had a safe Thanksgiving. By this point, we're recording on Wednesday afternoon. Work means nothing. There was my favorite, which was when someone at my old library requested Kindergarten Cop, where you have your last name on your slip. Mm -hmm. The person's last name was (laughs) T-U-M-A. I thought that was hilarious. That is good. Uh, So anyways, Ben and Sue kill Reed Richards, unaware that he is just able to make copies of himself. And I do love how Fialkov and Gian and Gian Domenico just go full-on horror with Reed Richards. Yeah. Like, Gian Domenico's art here, we don't often comment about art, feels very stylistic and, like, sort of indie comics in a way. Yes. And I think it works. No, I agree. No, we do sometimes comment on the art, just usually when it's bad. Yeah, but here it's it's different, and I think it works. So make sure to check out the image gallery. Or if it's Mark Bagley, there's no point, because he's just doing the same stuff that he did for the last 160 issues. Fair. Uh, yeah. So, Reed sends Pietro after Ben and Sue, and then he goes into his whole explanation about what the gems are about. And it's a way that the universe sort of produces white blood cells to fight its own destruction. But they have to do it in time. Reed has been mucking around in the multiverse, and he's like, Hey, I watched this guy who tried to prevent the destruction of his universe, but he took too long and became the Watcher. You remember, the weird pole thing that pops up. That's going to start showing up more. But because the gems are only made with cataclysmic events, I decided to fuck over my universe enough to get the rest of these made with help from Kang the Conqueror, who I seem to have a mysterious connection to. And Kang, what? Mm-hmm. I do like how the reveal over who Kang is is slowly seeded out. Like, it's something that I picked up more in the second read-through. Mm-hmm. Like, it's things that you could easily ignore if you were just reading the power through, but then it's like, oh, that's why he said it that way. No, I agree. Kang, yeah, it, it was seated well. Mm-hmm. And Kang, meanwhile, has pretty much blinded Hawkeye, and Hawkeye is now in negative zone jail with President America. Nick Fury, meanwhile, is like, hey, Monica, wake up. I brought together my new Howling Commandos. There's Cassie Lang, Stature, Sam Wilson, The Falcon, Danny Catch, The Ghost, Frank Castle, The Punisher, Abigail Brand, the alien, who now has green hair. But I have green hair. Emil Blonsky, the abomination, Dum Dum Dugan, and literal Hercules. It was an interesting team up. It is. I just wish that there had been a bit more setup. Like, I will say, while I do enjoy Gian Domenico's art, it does get very busy very easily. Mm-hmm. Like, sort of in a where's Waldo-esque, here's all of these things that are happening, and the color doesn't do a good job of making certain things stand out more than others. No, I'd agree with that. Yeah. 
But uh, they arrive too late. Reed kills Tony Stark, and the other Ultimates uh, are knocked out along with Thor, and they are tossed into the prison. In West Africa, some terrorists attack the Hulk, and he's very angry that they attacked his farm, and so he just murders him, which is just a weird scene to spend like six pages on. Mm-hmm. But surprising everyone, Tony Stark becomes a techno-ghost that's able to hack into the Herbitron mainframe. It vanishes into the system while the Howling Commandos start their charge, and Negative Man controls Herbitrons in the Negative Zone prison, working to free everybody. But that's when Reed reveals his trump card. He captured the Human Torch, who explodes in a massive blast that is able to release the last stone from where it had melted into the planet when Hydra had control of it. And uh, Tony, meanwhile, creates a fully robotic Iron Man body and works on fighting the Hulkbuster that had fallen under Reed's control. And then Quicksilver, who got the last stone, realizes who Kang is and realizes that she wants to kill all the mutants in the world, so she murders him. Reed, meanwhile... Oh, and with his last breath, he goes to die on his sister's grave with, with the uh, stone. Uh, Reed, meanwhile, is trying to uh, stop Stark, who is insulting him and keeping him distracted so that Ben and Sue are able to escape. And they team up with the rest of the Howling Commandos. But that's before Kang appears and she reveals that she is Sue Storm from the future. She explains that she knew that she needed Reed's help. So she came back from the past to try and get all these disasters to come in. She summons the rest of her Dark Ultimates, which includes the Hulk and now the dead body of Quicksilver with the final stone. Everyone descends into fighting. Tony converts part of his body into a new Mjolnir and armor for Thor, who's able to knock the electricity out on the base. The commandos work to destroy the Herbie factory, and we get a bit of a Punisher and Hercules, Gimli and Legolas. We'll see who can destroy more contests. Mm -hmm. And Tony's robotic body is able to uh, put the stones together, and Kang's like, well, shit, I was too late. I guess I'll have to go further back in time. And she also warns Sue that the world will be destroyed if she stays with Ben instead of Reed. And Reed Richards, meanwhile, saw the future that lies ahead, and he's just sort of eh, been traumatized. And then in the aftermath, Monica Chang sends Nick Fury and his Howling Commandos to go try and fix Europe, which is still all sorts of fucked up. Which I appreciate them mentioning, because ever since Hickman left, we haven't really had a reference to it. Nope. And then Sue meets with Reed because she senses that Galactus is coming. Everyone loves some good old-fashioned Galactus. Mm -hmm. I think, like, Fialcom did a good job of kind of picking up the mess that Ultimate, uh, or that the Ultimates had turned into. Yeah. Like, with all the pieces that were assembled, he does a lot better of a job sort of giving them humanity and pacing things out and sort of giving everyone something to do. Mm -hmm. And while I know he's a part of the ultimate cataclysm, I do wish there had been some more time for him to work on things. No, I agree. But such is the Marvel way. (sighs) As the Mandalorians say, this is the way. Uh, yeah, so how do you feel about this compared to the Ultimates 2, Gods and Monsters? Eh, it's about as good. 
Yeah, I, I think it does not have a lot of the racism issues. Yeah. Uh, right above that. But it doesn't have the same flair that Malar can bring. No, but I, I think it's also doing a lot more heavy lifting. Because Malar was, I'm the only person who's worked with these. I get to do what I want, and this is literally coming from, yeah, look at all these pieces that Sam Humphreys left behind. Look at my fun mess. Uh, I think we could put it right under Gods and Monsters and right above Death of a Goblin. That sounds good. So our new number 23 is Ultimate Comics Ultimates numbers 25 through 30 disassembled. And it's something that I feel like we could probably talk to uh, Josh Hale Fialkov about maybe coming on and talking about that legacy. We gotta remember to do these things beforehand. Yeah. Ooh, having to plan things out in advance. Ooh. Uh, and then last, we have Ultimate Comics, all new Spider-Man, slash it's just still Ultimate Comics, Spider-Man Volume 2, numbers 23 through 28, Spider-Man No More. And yeah, this is where the editorial stuff really comes apart. Uh, it was written by Brian Michael Bendis, with art by David Marquez, colors by Justin Ponsor and Paul Mounts, with letters by VCs Corey Petit. Because it's been one year since Miles Bond died... Oh yeah, and that none time of the ultimate. Yeah, and none of the ultimate stuff gets mentioned. Remember how all the banking systems and corporations were destroyed? Apparently, they were able to get back after like two days of destruction somehow. Or makes no sense to me. No one's going to mention it. I mean, it, it's just Bendis being Bendis. Or the fact that the world's kind of still falling completely apart. But it's fine in Miles' school. Because he's got more important stuff. Uh, he has Katie Bishop, who's trying to help him out. And Genki, who is... The best. Still just Genki. Uh, Miles wants to tell Katie about how he was Spider-Man, and Genki is against it, partially because he wants Miles to become Spider-Man again. Jessica Drew is trying to get him to come back to be Spider-Man, and he keeps turning her down. And so he goes with his dad, Jefferson, to get some Chinese food. Jefferson is kind of happy because they're going to get a big police settlement because the police shot his mom. But they get distracted because Gwen Stacy works at the Chinese restaurant where Miles is working. He goes to try and talk to her. But she wants to know why he's not doing Spider-Man stuff. And he's like, yeah, I don't want to do this. And he leaves the Chinese restaurant, almost getting Gwen Stacy fired. But that becomes less of an issue. Because Bombshell, who we haven't seen in a while, is fighting a new cloak and dagger. Bombshell was part of a mother-daughter team that had the same powers. Explosions. And so Lots of swearing. Yep. And now she's better about the swearing. Now she's a PG-13 character. Mm-hmm. So, via a flashback, we find out that Cloak and Dagger were two teams, Ty Johnson and Tandy Bowen, who had a chance meeting where both heads of their school started dating, and on their way into prom, they got into a car accident, and were essentially stolen by Roxanne's brain trust of Layla Miller, 
Nathaniel Essex, but not the one you're thinking of, Samuel mm. Stearns, and Artem Zola III, who activated Dark Matter and then granting them superpowers with Kai gaining darkness powers and becoming Cloak, and Tandy having light powers and becoming Dagger, and then they escaped. That show's still on. Cloak and Dagger? Yeah. I don't know. Remember how that's a thing? Yeah. Uh, oh, it was cancelled at the end of season two. Ah. Last year in October. I just remember when they kept throwing comic book TV shows at the, at the wall. I mean, we still got Hellstrom that way. Yeah. I have not had any desire to watch it. I have also not watched it. I also fell off pretty much every Netflix show. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fair. The problem of too much. Yeah. But they're and also obviously. the same. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Like, oh, you're, you're just a different gritty man who's mad at the world. Or in the case of Jessica Jones, a gritty woman who's mad at the world. You think Marvel's going to learn their lesson? I hope so, because the next show we're getting is Kamala Khan this Marvel. Yeah, hopefully. Mm -hmm. They've already started filming. Plus it's on the D+, so... Mm -hmm. Oh, have you watched any of the 616 docs? No, not yet. I watched a few of them. And I feel like the biggest lie that I had to deal with was uh, Paul Shear having to pretend that he did not know who Brute Force were. Didn't he write Brute Force? Yeah, he wrote it before the documentary. But the whole thing is he's trying to pitch a show, and so he goes and talks to a bunch of creators about forgotten characters. There was only one that I was unaware of who they talked about. Interesting. Oh, uh, because, well, yeah, it was like Brute Force is like, he wrote that end quite some time ago, I thought. Yeah. The entire thing is him trying to pitch a Brute Force cartoon, and then it ultimately gets rejected. Oh, I see. That would have been fun. The rejection wasn't known at the time, but I also think that the documentary made it seem like it was going to be a bit too meta. Yeah. Anyways, because it was uh, Paul Shear and what's his name, and uh, Scott Ackerman wrote it together. Yeah, I have that issue well, of Deadpool. Well, and ultimately, this was only like a two-minute preview that they end up working on, but a lot of celebrities show up for it. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. So back in the present, Miles refuses to suit up, and Gwen slaps him before he runs off to spend time with his dad, who's alive, unlike Gwen's dad. Remember when he died? And yep. uh, Cloak and Dagger, meanwhile, failed to capture Bombshell, who they wanted to get information from about Roxxon, because they have a list of people who Roxxon were involved with. The next day, Gwen is upset, tells Aunt May what happens, Miles is distracted, and Katie thinks that it's because Genki isn't talking to Miles, and she, like Jefferson, Miles' dad, thought that Genki was in love with Miles. Yeah. And it's... They're they're just nerd friends. Yeah. I I am not surprised that there is a large amount of, like, 
Genki and Miles fanfiction out there. But also, I don't see it. No, me neither. But yeah, uh, because he won't tell her about being Spider-Man, he can't explain it. And it turns out that Genki is mad because Gwen texted him about Miles running away. Which is a good moment. So Miles gets home, Spider-Man is waiting for him. She's like, you didn't throw out the costume, so I'm going to tell you about who I am. And explains about her being a clone of Peter Parker. And also she knows uh, about Cloak and Dagger and how they started, but also is aware that S.H.I.E.L.D. isn't going to do shit because they pay Roxxon a lot of money. And she needs his help to go and save them, so he suits back up. And in another flashback, we find out that Bombshell's mom was a prison inmate who was offered early release if she, if she submitted to testing. She got her explosive powers, but then nobody knew that she was pregnant, including her. And when they told her, she escaped and has been on the run. So, back to the present. Spider-Man and Spider-Woman tracked Bombshell down to offer help to her, and Roxxon, the guy who runs Roxxon, is really frustrated about what happened with Cloak and Dagger, because they're now tracking down the other targets, so Mr. Roxxon has hired Anthony Masters, aka Taskmaster, who quickly finds the spiders in Bombshell. He uses a tech piece to paralyze everyone, but Spider-Man is still able to venom blast him enough so that he's able to escape and fight. But Taskmaster is able to take all their hits and copy their powers, not just their moves. The fight escalates. Cloak and Dagger see the explosions that are happening as he continues to gain powers. But Cloak is ultimately able to absorb him, knock him out, and then they run off before the police arrive. Roxxon hears about Taskmaster losing. The building goes on alert before the five heroes now lined break in. And Roxxon's like, hey, I know all about your secrets, Miles. I know about how your mom died. Ask your father about what he did if you survive. And Miles is like, hey, don't talk that way about my mom. And just tosses him out the window with a web attach, which is great. So Roxxon tries to taunt Miles, saying that he's above the law and how he created Miles and can take him out. And then when the NYPD come with helicopters, Spider-Woman is like, hey, yeah, I have shield clearance, get the hell out of here. And just the realization on Roxon's face is wonderful. Some good art in these issues. Mm-hmm. And so the science team arrives, and initially Layla has a weapon that's able to incapacitate the other heroes. But Miles comes in because he gets back from Roxxon, and he destroys the weapon, and the rest of the team is easily dispatched as S.H.I.E.L.D. arrives and Roxxon is arrested. Miles returns to school, apologizes to Genki, and declares that he is going to be Spider-Man again, debates talking about everything with his father, and then Monica Chang is like, Hey, Spider-Woman, maybe this new team you assembled has a future. And that's the end. I, my biggest thought regarding this is I kind of wish there had been a second white Spider-Man who could have had this. So it's not just, oh, look at the black Spider-Man who stops being Spider-Man for like an entire year. 
or if it had been a shorter period of time, just so that could be less of a weird critical sticking point. But I think that we get a lot of good characterization out of this, ultimately. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah. Where do we want to rank Ultimate Comics Spider-Man 23 through 28? Mm, decent. Like, disassembled territory or lower down? From before? Yeah. It's above. It's above. It's the best of what we've read so far. Fair enough. Uh... How do you feel about it compared to Ultimate Spider-Man Public Scrutiny? Line. You don't remember Public Scrutiny? Nope. Uh, so that was the arc that came after... Oh, look at that. Luke doesn't remember either. Oh, okay. That is the uh, fake Spider-Man. Oh, where Gwen's dad actually dies. Mm -hmm. That arc was better. Yeah. Uh, right under that is Sidetracked, which was the issue that happened right before that. That's the one-shot. And right under that is Ultimate Spider-Man Legacy, which was the arc that happened right before that. Uh, the uh, Green Goblin arc. Oh, yeah. I like that one better. All right. Uh, under that is Ultimate Comics Ultimate's Two Cities, Two Worlds, which I think is better. Mm -hmm. uh, under that is Ultimate Fantastic Four Silver Surfer, which I think this is better than Ultimate Fantastic Four Silver I would Surfer. Agree. I like it. So, uh, yeah, our new number 14 on the list is Ultimate Comics Spider-Man 23 through 28 Spider-Man No More. And that brings us up to 180 comics, Devin. Neat. Mm-hmm. And you know what we have this week? Thanksgiving. We got a question in. <gasps> what? What? Mm -hmm. Adam Reck, who is Arthur Sacy on Twitter, who is also the co-host of Battle of the Atom, uh, who did a Ultimates coverage episode, uh, wanted to know, post-Ultimatum, Hickman sets up Tion as a mutant utopia led by the Zorn Bros and uses the titles of Inhumans, Eternals, Deviants, etc. Do those groups not exist in the Ultimate U? And the Inhumans do exist, but only in, like, one story, and then they just fuck off forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a in an very annual. forgettable Mark Millar annual. Yep. And then the Eternals and Deviants never did exist. Uh, like, that's part of the Marvel biosphere that never actually happens. Maybe Thanos, technically, but... Do they call... I don't, I don't actually know if they're... I don't know if they refer to him as, as one... No, I think, is a deviant uh, or not? But nope, uh, he is just nondescript alien, according to the Marvel Wikia. Jeez. 
too human for boys to have, or too human, eh, whatever. I was going to make a reference to the Simpsons one where Bart has the twin. I did not remember that quote enough. But yeah, oh, thank good, you for Luke. sending in a question. Uh, yeah. So, uh, beyond that, uh, two weeks we're going to be covering Hunger for part 51 of the podcast. And then the week after that is going to be our Christmas special on December 20th. That is coming in quickly. And then the week after that is going to be Ultimate uh, Universe Part 52, where we get into our post-hunger stuff. And then we have Part 53, where we just wrap it all up. And then the world explodes. Hooray! Well, yeah. I also have reached out to see if we can get a special guest to uh, talk, and you know, maybe I'll see if I can get some other people to come in and talk about that. Nice. Mm -hmm. So, anything else that you want to talk about? How is the end of Persona? Oh yeah, end of Persona was good. I don't know if you want me to spoil it for you though or not, Luke. It's not coming out for the Switch, but also, yeah, I mean, you saying it's good is enough for me. Have you been playing any other games recently? Yeah, I beat the Miles Morales video game. Nice. Did you use the new uh, quest feature? You mean your smartphone? Uh, there's a new thing where it just automatically brings you to like where the quest begins. Oh, no, it's I have not. Yeah, there's an article about that. Wait, like, it's nice if you don't want to spin, uh, swing around all the time. Mm, oh, well, I mean, they, yeah, no. I I think that is important for most video games. Mm -hmm. I do not think that is important for Spider-Man. Fair. I mean, web swinging is part of it. That's like 90% of the fun. Yeah. Well, and then you also finally played Animal Crossing, which you did not enjoy. I did not enjoy. Character customization menus were confusing. And then yeah. I got mad. <laughs> and then you got naked. I was wearing I was socks. Yeah. <laughs> and then he just came to my island <laughs> for my birthday party, which was great. Lots of King Tut tag. Yeah, it was fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the new Assassin's Creed, I fired that up. Nice. And I fired up Pikmin 3 Deluxe. Nice. Which is harder than I remember it, but also I'm a lot more picky about things. Nice. I'm a big old Viking boy who runs around and slashes things with my axe. Nice. Because I turned to my good old friend, the internet, where it said, who do you play as? Fair enough. Well, last time when I got Assassin's Creed Odyssey, they were just like, you are making a mistake if you do not play as Cassandra. <laughs> Yeah, in this game, they're just like, yeah, you're making a mistake if you don't play as the dude. Because I guess he was in that TV show, Vikings. Mm -hmm. So, like, yeah, so first off, the man knows how to play a Viking. <laughs> he did so for, like, five seasons. <laughs> Fair. All right, well, uh... 
this has been another episode. Uh, next week, we've also got another unbearable way to Nicholas Cage, and you can listen to our mom and dad podcast that we recorded on my birthday. Yeah, that some of us enjoyed. Yes, I enjoyed it. I you also enjoyed it. enjoyed it. Abby did not. Abby did. Abby did not. That's that's going to be interesting going forward. All yeah. right. Well, Devin. Where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me online at Fred Fett. That's F-R-E-D-D-O-F-E-T-T. And Luke, where can people find you? You can find me online at, at Coltreg. That's K-O-L-T-R-E-G. And you can find links to all of my work at LukeHairLukeHerr.com. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks with the 51st episode of All Timers with Hugh. Until then, catch you on the flip mode. Peace. Peace.